Well, good morning, everybody. Um, if uh, let me get myself set up here. Uh, my name is David uh, Weed, and if you have not met me, I am um, uh, currently, it, it's, it's kind of long and confusing. I'm, I'm on the elder board. I'm one of the interim elders right now, um, helping out. Uh, our uh, chairman of the board has uh, been going through some health issues, and so I uh, stepped back on the board um, to uh, kind of help with him and, and be a placeholder for him. Uh, and so uh, I'm uh, here this morning. Uh, Steve could not be here this morning, so uh, I'm uh, going to be kicking off a new series. But before we get to our series, uh, we want to kind of uh, at least go through some business um, uh, for uh, for the church because it's appropriate. It's New Year's, and uh, so uh, right off the bat, I know that over the last couple months we have been uh, making different appeals uh, because we were running uh, quite a bit behind budget, and uh, and we were. Uh, had some concerns. We know that, that God is always faithful, and, and we, we certainly uh, decided to continue trusting in the Lord, uh, but uh, we were, were a little bit concerned about financials, and I don't have exact numbers, but what I want to tell you is that we finished 2021 in the black. So yes, that is absolutely amazing. Uh, we'll be presenting the numbers uh, just because, you know, uh, uh, some of the stuff still continues to kind of trickle in uh, this first week of, of January, but uh, we finishing in the black is a huge miracle and a huge reason uh, uh, to praise God because, um, you know, we, uh, a couple months ago, we were a little bit more concerned. Um, so at the business meeting at the end of this month, we'll be uh, talking about it. And, you know, when it, talk, when it comes to kind of looking back at 2021, we just have to, you know, recognize and acknowledge, and I know we're all tired of recognizing and acknowledging that COVID has been what it is. Um, we're, I, I really want to be able to come up here and not have to talk about COVID someday. Um, but just the difficulties of, of what uh, we've gone through, not only as a congregation, but just acknowledgement of what, what everybody has gone through as families, as, uh, as members. Um, we acknowledge that we... Uh, have people that um, are affiliated with our congregation that um, have gone to be with the Lord because of COVID, and and that's been difficult. Um, you know, friends, uh, family members, uh, even outside of Northview, uh, have been deeply affected uh, by COVID, and so it, it's been a rough year. And I would just encourage you to, uh, as we now make the transition to looking forward to 2022, to um, really continue uh, leaning into the Lord because we are, we don't know what 2022 is going to look like. Uh, think back a year ago at the end of 2020, we were all pretty certain that COVID was uh, on the kind of the home stretch of being done. We were going to be done with COVID. 2021 was going to be our year. We wouldn't have to worry about pandemic stuff. And here we are at 2022 saying the exact same words. I think it's almost over, but it could not be over. So um, we'll just continue to trust in the Lord for that. Um, as we look at, at, at 2022, for Northview, this is going to be a, a big year for us. And uh, we do have a lot that's going on uh, in 2022. Right off the bat, I really, really want to echo what Rob just got done saying and encourage people to uh, read through the Bible with us. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on. Um, but I really want to encourage you to go on the website um, and, and get tied into the word because we've got so much that is coming at us uh, this next year. Um, certainly the, the um, 
uh, oh, I, I'd, I'd say on the, the read through the Bible, um, I know Phil Wagner is a you know, great, um, he's uh, kind of heading up that thing, and, 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 and if you are nervous about starting it, stopping it, not being consistent with it, I really want to encourage you, Phil, raise your hand. Talk to Phil um, because he can really help you, like, you know, not get so discouraged. I know a lot of people are like, oh, New Year's resolutions, I'm going to exercise six times a day for the next, you know, and then come, you know, January 4th, you're, you've already lost the resolution. So I don't want read through the Bible to be that way, and I, you know, take the pressure off. Even if you just, you know, if you fall off a week, pick it back up and go, um, but um, I would encourage you to do that. But the biggest thing that we're going to face in 2022 is the transition uh, from Steve and his retirement at the end of the year uh, and James Lunn uh, stepping into it. And so this is going to be a big year for us. Now, I want to assure you on behalf of the elder board that we are working with our transition plan. Uh, we are putting that in place. We have a transition team uh, that uh, it, 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 it's myself and Shannon. Uh, we're still trying to figure out how we ended up on that transition team, but I thought I was go getting a free lunch, and the next thing you know, I'm in charge of the transition team. So, um, but we are putting that in writing, and we are going to be presenting to you at the, the annual meeting what that's going to look like specifically. Um, but we, there is a plan in place. Um, we're, we're just working out the final details of that plan that we can share with the congregation so that you know um, basically month by month and then even when we get down towards the end of the year, week by week, of what that transition is going to look like as Steve slowly unplugs from all the, the ministry responsibilities as a senior pastor and James slowly kind of takes, takes over the, some of those reins um, and then uh, by this time next year uh, we will be planning a, a, a big celebration for Steve's official retirement. So uh, we're definitely very much uh, on our ta um, table for all that. Okay, uh, for those of you that are watching from home, uh, it is uh, Communion Sunday, and so uh, we, we welcome you and uh, want to be able to, to give you that heads up so that you have an opportunity uh, to be able to get some elements uh, so that you can share with us in Communion a little bit later in the service. Uh, so we're starting a new series, and uh, this is a series that uh, uh, Steve is, is going to be kicking off for us. And uh, it's a, uh, the series is titled, Learning to Dance, Finding uh, the Rhythm of Relationships Without Stepping on Each Other's Toes. And uh, what we kind of really felt like is that with the last year, two years, whatever, with all the strains that um, these last couple years have put on families, and especially on couples, there'd be a good time to really stop and focus on, uh, on marriage and relationships and all that stuff. Now, if you're single then I realize that when we announce that, oh, we're going to do a short series on marriage, then it's like, okay, I can check out because I'm single. No, uh, we want you to stay engaged because what we're really talking about is relationships. Uh, yes, the marriage relationship is great, but this will apply and the, and the, the elements that we're going to work through apply to um, any kind of relationship. So uh, even if you're single, we're, this is not an exclusion of you because we're calling it a marriage um, kind of series. Um, there's a lot that you're going to pick up. And why the analogy of dancing? Uh, because dancing is often used in an attempt to describe the rhythms of marriages. It's like a dance. Um, and, um, and so before we jump in, uh, let's go ahead and, and pray so we can get ourselves ready for the morning. Join me in prayer. Lord, we um, 
thank you for 2022. Uh, we still find ourselves in a spot of having to be dependent on you because the world is still very much uh, unsettled. And we recognize that that is, although an unnerving place to be, it's a good place to be. Uh, needing to rely on you, your guidance, uh, to, to be um, under your umbrella protection, to uh, bring our difficulties, our concerns, our fears uh, to the foot of the cross. And so, Lord, we, we place ourselves there this morning. Uh, we need you. Uh, and as we look forward to uh, kind of unpacking maybe some of the, the tensions and stressors that have built up over these last 24 months, uh, as we look at this series, Lord, speak to us um, through your word, through the messages, uh, just through fellowship with one another, um, that we can become uh, better at our relationships with those that are around us, and most importantly, uh, our family and the people that we live with. So we uh, pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. All right, so uh, why dancing is an analogy for, for, for marriage. Now, f- right off the bat, I I. I want you to just relax and, and nobody panic because we're certainly, especially if you were raised Baptist, we're not going to be putting out a call for like, you know, spontaneous dancing in the church or anything like that. So, um, and I was definitely raised, I'm very, con- you know, conservative Baptist and uh, the saying was always that the, the Baptists are against sex because it could lead to dancing. So, um, so, but when we stop and look at dancing, uh, we have to realize that dancing, there's some, you know, a very beautiful uh, part of it because dancing can be eloquent, it can be cool, it can be amazing. Uh, some dance routines are just, you know, very amazing. But then yet we can also recognize that dancing can very, be very unsynchronized. Uh, it can be very clumsy, it can be very cumbersome. And, uh, and so there's a lot that we can learn from if we just kind of focus on what does it take to be a, a good dancer, and especially a dancer with somebody, um, and, and how does that relate to marriage? So that's why the analogy uh, for the series is, uh, is on dancing. Now, full disclosure, I have never, ever seen a single episode of Dancing with the Stars. I, I understand that it's a TV show. I understand that it involves dancing. Um, I have never, ever seen it. I don't know anything about it other than I think it has some stars, and I think there's some dancing, and I think even the term stars is kind of a iffy stars because it's like people with 15 minutes of fame sometime 10 years ago. Um, but I grew up, and my absolute, people always you know, say, what's your favorite movie of all time? And, and my favorite movie of all time is Singing in the Rain. Uh, and what I love about Singing in the Rain is because of all the amazing dancing sequences of it. And you've got Gene Kelly that was one of the greatest dancers of his time and certainly a singer. Um, and then the Donald O'Connor, he's got the iconic make him laugh and, uh, scene and, and Debbie Reynolds and all that, a great movie. And when it comes to dancers, the, one of the most iconic dancers is of course Fred Astaire. He can take dancing with an inanimate object and make it a beautiful artistic function. And we recognize and stand back and look in awe of how amazing he is as a dancer. But now let's add somebody to that. To dance as a couple makes it even more difficult. And of course, Ginger and Fred, uh, two amazing dancers. Fred's, of course, one of probably the greatest dancers of all time. Ginger is also amazing because she had to dance backwards in high heels. Uh, Now, what if we add complexity to a, a couple dancing? Like, oh, I don't know, putting them on ice. And if you have ice dancing, it's the same fluidness, it's the same synchronization, but the complexity of ice 
This is Torval and Dean, one of the most iconic ice dances of all history in their Bolero uh, at the 1984 Olympics. Their artistry would be amazing on regular floors, but the fact that they did it on ice is even more spectacular. And to practice and to be good at that requires so much work. And then there's what if we add a group to it? And Michael Jackson certainly brought group dancing to a whole new high. And when this video of Thriller was introduced, and then his later videos, it really brought it to what coordinating an entire group, like coordinating a family, would look like. Now, this is nothing new. Broadway has been doing group dances for a long time. And a lot of us are familiar with the Broadway dances, like a Mary Poppins or something like that, of coordinating a large group of people, an entire community for synchronization. And then there was the craze of river dance that took it even to a new dimension because not only do you have to have a bunch of very talented individual dancers, but now their, their feet are actually also making the music. And you can't have a modern day uh, video, music video, without having the iconic or the, the kind of standard, we gotta have a group dance session right in the middle of the street. I mean, every video that we see practically today but it's still impressive. This takes a lot of coordination. Now, what if it doesn't go right? What if it goes wrong? Well, then it sticks out like a sore thumb. And, and if there's not that coordination, if, the, if, if you see something that's not quite in sync, you pick it up right away. Uh, and, and so then when we realize that this is probably more normal how I would be a dancer, uh, then you have a new appreciation of when it goes right. Now, I do not have a background in dancing, but I do have a background in drum corps and, and, uh, and marching bands. And it's the same thing. It's taking a large group of people and it's putting in timing and synchronization to make a, a show that's impressive. Uh, and there's a lot of effort that goes into there because you have to stop and think about every one of these individuals has to be excellent at their instrument then every one of these individuals has to then work with the person on either side of them so that they can have the timing and the coordination to do the very intricate moves. And then the entire band has to work together to, put it all, to, to, to make it all work and make it amazing. And so you've got, the, these are just some, some videos of some of the absolute top in the world drum cores uh, and, and, and drum lines. And we realize that the timing and synchronization is what makes this work. Now, as we work with marching bands, and I've been working with marching bands, uh, I was a, a, a member of a, a drum corps like you see up there, that's actually not a, an actual marching band like from a college, that's a, a professional drum uh, corps uh, that's at a championship, um, that it takes a lot of over and over and over effort and skill to be able to, to work on this. And what we do when we teach uh, drum corps is we introduce the, the show, we introduce the concept, and, and of course all the members have a, a, a chart of where they specifically have to move and all stuff, and then we start running the show. And of course there's gonna be mistakes. And so what we do is we tell them, this is the principle of marching band, hey, you're gonna make mistakes, but don't emphasize it. Don't draw a lot of attention to it. So if you're walking and you're supposed to go right, but you can't take a step left, don't be like, oh. I, I did it wrong, okay? No, then now the whole audience is gonna look at you and know that you made a mistake. So sell it. I, oh, no, keep going this way. And just pretend like nothing happened. And, and we, we call it selling. Uh, now, this is both a good thing and a bad thing, especially now if we talk about marriage. 
because what selling it does is it admits, yes, I made a mistake, but I'm not actually working on improving. I'm just going to pretend like it didn't happen and move on. Uh, if you don't go back and rerun that show and focus on, okay, yeah, that mistake was made, but let's run it again so that we cannot make that mistake, then that just keeps getting repeated over and over and over, and it never gets dealt with. So as, as directors of marching bands, what we do is, you know, during rehearsal, we'll run the show, and then we'll, like, see the different mistakes. And oftentimes, what we'll do is we'll say, hey, when we run it this next time, pick one mistake, work on it, fix it, and then move on. Don't try and fix all the mistakes, just pick one. And I think that has a great application for, for marriage. Sometimes you think we have to fix everything all at once. No, just pick one thing. But then what we do is we'll see mistakes and be like, okay, no, 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 stop, 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 time out, time out, time out, reset the show. We're just gonna work on this one issue over and over and over again until everybody has it. Okay, we got that section, great. Now let's go back to the beginning, let's run the whole show because now we've fixed that session. And I think that's more what we're used to in marriage is I got this one big issue that I got to work with, so can we just run it over and over and over again? And so that's where we're taking the illustration of, uh, of dancing because it's, it's so much true of that, of there's so much effort, effort and time and commitment and running it again and again and again. And then we look at a marriage and go, boy, it's a lot like a marriage where we have to put in that time and that effort, and sometimes we get into a sticky spot, and we have to stop and say, let's, let's fix this. Let's run this over and over and over again until we can get this fixed. Now, oh, and my computer just shorted out. Okay, good. Um, I will say also, just a little side note, little rabbit trail. Um, some people get really good at covering the mistakes in their marriage, um, and that can really lead to, uh, honestly, a, a toxic marriage. But how often do we look at somebody else's marriage and go, oh, they have it all together. Why can't my marriage be like that? And what you don't realize is that it can oftentimes be, you know, what you have no idea of knowing is that could be a very dysfunctional marriage, but they just got really good at selling it. They got really good at covering things up. And so don't fall into the trap of looking at other marriages by comparison because you have no idea, look more at, okay, what is the one thing I need to fix as I move forward? Okay, so we're going to look at, uh, we know that coordination and timing is what makes a dance routine uh, with a couple or a group or marching band or drum corps. It's all about coordination and timing. So the entire series on marriage is going to be about different levels, different aspects of that coordination and timing. And this morning, we're just going to pick one. So we're just going to pick one level that we're going to do that on. And the one level we're going to pick on this morning is communication. Now, uh, I have met with a lot of couples uh, through that are having a struggle with their marriage, and, and inevitably, communication is one of the big to topics that, that we'd end up discussing. Of, you know, we just feel like we just don't, you know, are not communicating well, or we're just not understanding each other. And, and I understand that communication is very, very difficult. Um, it, it, in the world, for those of you that don't know me, um, I, I am, am not one of the pastors here on staff. I, I, I work as a firefighter in, in the fire department, um, and so my world is 911. And uh, it, it, it is almost laughable from s sometimes to hear how different people's perceptions 
of the same emergency as they're calling 911. Uh, and I know Dan Stilwell, boy, he could, he could preach an entire sermon because he was a dispatcher at uh, Seattle Fire Department for a gajillion years. Um, and so he, he knows this. But you can have, uh, well, I'm just going to pick a car accident and people's perceptions and what they communicate about what they think they're seeing um, it varies widely. So you've got one car accident, and let's say you've got 10 people that are going to call in about that one car accident. Here's the reports that we get uh, in 911. Uh, we get the, uh, there's been a car accident, and I think somebody's got injuries. Somebody else calls in and says, there's a car accident, they're dead. Somebody else calls in and says, there's a car accident, nobody was injured. This is the same incident. This is the same, I kid you not. Somebody else says, there's a car accident, it's bursting into flames. And then somebody else says, oh no, it's clearly not on fire. It's fine. And then you get the people are trapped, they can't get out, and then you've got, oh no, everybody's standing out of the car and they're just like, you know, exchanging insurance information. No joke, we will get all of those on one car accident. And then what's great is like, you know, again, you know, somebody like, you know, Dan, who, you know, has made a very successful career as a dispatcher, sitting there trying to filter through all that. Okay, well, what is it? Are they dead or are they not injured? Is the car on fire? Is it not on fire? Are people trapped or are they not trapped? And then you have to figure out, talking on a telephone, staring at a computer screen, what's the best approach to sending help for that? And then I'm looking at all this on, on our computers and our, our rigs, uh, you know, in a fire truck, responding to that like, well, what is it? Am I, am I getting there and pulling a, a hose line? Am I, am I cutting people out of cars or am I just handing out Band-Aids? That's the way we're wired. We bring our, how we are formed, how we're wired, our past, our baggage, all stuff, we bring that into situations. And so, yes, my perception could be there's people trapped in their car and it's on fire because I see steam coming up and I see somebody not getting out of the car. Somebody else could have a very different perception. Maybe they're, maybe they're an off-duty firefighter and they're like, that's not fire. They're not stuck in there. They can get out. It's how we bring to the situation what really colors um, what we're thinking. And so this is no tr- can't be any more true than uh, when it comes to marriage and what we bring into our marriage will oftentimes color our percep- perception of something as simple as a simple conversation. Now, let's walk through this. I've got an illustration here for you to help you walk through this. So let's take a, a couple, a, a husband and a wife, and uh, we are going to say, for the sake of this illustration, that the, the wife is having a great day today. Everything is going great. Everything is going right. It's, the birds are singing. The sun is shining. This is a great day. She is you know, humming Disney tunes while the birds are fluttering around the window. And this is just a, a great day for her. The husband, on the other hand, is having an awful day. This has been the worst day at work in the last, his entire career. I mean, this has not been going well. It's been a stressful day. It's horrible. And so now we bring these two people together, and they're going to have a conversation. Uh, This is going to be great. So what happens is um, that the woman has what I am going to call a perception filter, that has all sorts of things input into that perception filter. One of it is how her day is going. 
I'm having a great day. So the perception filter is going to be based on I'm having a great day. But it's also going to be based on upbringing, background, baggage, past traumas, past successes. Everything of who she is as a woman is going to be wrapped into that perception filter. Now, our, our husband is going to have the exact same thing. But his perception filter is, of course, colored by... Um, uh, how his day went, uh, and so on and so forth. And some of this is just as simple as men think differently than women. I don't know if you've ever discovered that before, uh, but in my marriage, it occurred to me very early on that my wife thinks very different than I do. Uh, and I was very shocked to find out that she thinks that I think very different than she does, because so, I just thought everybody thought like me. So let's have a conversation now between these two people with these perception filters. So it looks like this. The man has said something. Uh, and he says, uh, and it, does, it could be anything, it could be any you know, sentence or whatever, and as he's speaking the words, the words go from him out to his wife. But when they hit the perception filter, what she hears is not necessarily what he said, but what she hears as it passes through that perception filter. Hang with me and it's gonna start making more sense. Now, is she going to respond with what was said or what she heard? She can respond with what she heard. Absolutely. That's how we do it. That's how we all operate. So when she formulates a response back to him, what's it going to be based on? It's going to be based on what she heard. Okay? And then it, it goes through her perception filter, reacts, hits him, and then is he going to hear what, uh, and I think that skipped forward just a little bit, there it is. So she responds back, hits, hits his perception filter, and is he hearing what she said or what he heard, okay, based on his bad day? So now you see it gets even more intense, uh, and then he responds in kind, well, this is what I heard, and of course you can see all the static, so he responds back, boom, hits her perception filter, and where do you think it's going to go? It's going to be, again, based on what she heard. Now, what started, remember what went, go way back to the beginning, what started was just a simple, almost nonchalant sentence that came out of his mouth, hit a perception filter, got spun up, fired back, got spun up more, fired back, got spun up more, and this is what we call an argument. We've all been there. And oftentimes, you go back to, if you can like take a deep breath and go back to it, you go, okay, wait a minute, what started all this? And it's like, well, I, I asked if dinner was ready. Well, yeah, but I mean, you walked in and you said, well, is dinner ready? You didn't say hi, you didn't say whatever, so she fired back, well, I don't know, you know, did you bring dinner or what? So, and it's like, well, don't give me sass, and all of a sudden, we're all spun up and, and, and wrestling around. So, this happens, we've all, we can laugh about it because we all experience this. Now, what's the basics of communication? Or, I'm sorry, let me, I got to have myself. What's a better way to go at this? So, if, if I have a relationship with God, my wife has a relationship with God, then we have to recognize these perception filters exist. We, we know they exist. Um, and so it's really how do we best manage them? And it comes down to if we can have an understanding as a couple that, if instead of just relying on this simple back and forth, knowing it's going to go wonky from time to time, if my focus remains on God, and then my spouse's focus remains on God, 
then what we can uh, discover is that that will help temper some of the static that occurs from the, the perception filters. And we're going to look at some uh, passages here in just a little bit that will put all this in, in, into practice. Now, when we understand communication, and here's where eyes on God will help with the whole tempering down of the static, is, is let's do a, just a quick little side thing of understanding communication that we all have been through a lot. We know that communication nonverbal is about 65% of our communications. Body language is huge. So if, if, if I um, you know, come and I got my hands in my pockets and I'm just kind of relaxed or whatever, that says one thing. If I come up and I got my arms crossed and I've kind of got that lean forward aggressive tone, that's another thing. Um, I mean, that's one of the things that we uh, in the fire service are taught all the time, especially uh, you know, in, in recent time, uh, I show up and I'm watching body language. I don't care what's coming out of their mouth. I'm looking at body. Is this person aggressive and about to punch me or, you know, shoot me or whatever? Or is this person, you know, just kind of relaxed? Um, and so body language is a huge thing. So just, just, um, Yesterday, we got sent out to a call. I, I just got off duty this morning, and, and we got sent out to a call, and it was for somebody who's aggressive and potentially violent. And PD is lost and stuck in the snow. So, great. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go take a look at this. And so, yeah, walking up to this guy, I'm just like, all I'm zeroed in on, he's talking, blah, 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 blah. I'm not listening to a word he's saying because I'm watching hands, and I'm looking for body language. Um, and he seemed like he was kind of cool and seemed like he wasn't gonna, didn't want to kill me at that moment. So I said, oh, yeah, come on over here. Um, have a cup of coffee. Uh, so we know nonverbal is, is important, okay? But then there's more to that. There's tone. How we say words matter. My favorite word in the English dictionary that describes how tone can be affected is the word fine. I love that word. That's so amazing. How was your day? It was fine. Okay? I, don't, I didn't learn anything from how you said that. Uh, how was your day? It was fine. Different tone, different meaning. Um, or as some uh, spouses, I know one couple that has had this discussion, I won't mention any names, um, where uh, you know, the husband will say to the wife, are you mad at me? I mean, like, is, is everything okay? And what does the wife say? I'm fine. To which I respond, oh, Good, because I really thought you were mad at me. <laughs> Good. All right, Owen's dinner. Okay. Um, we have to understand that tone plays a big point. And just using one word with different tones has completely different inflections. Uh, and then after that is the actual words that are said. So what I choose to say uh, in any situation, the actual words that I choose to come out of my mouth are the least consequential of what is actually being said. The tone that I say them carries much more weight, and my body language while I'm giving that tone carries much more weight. So I come home to, you know, uh, like the old proverbial, uh, you know, I, I, I ended up being late from getting home uh, from work, and I come home to a, a cold dinner and a hot wife, and arms crossed, eyebrows furled, uh, and, you know, it doesn't matter what she says to me, the tone that she says it and the, you know, the body language tells me everything I need to know. Oh, it looks like I was late. I think I'm in trouble. Okay? And vice versa. Um, it, when I get angry, it's the body language, the tone. Uh, it doesn't matter what the words are. Now, words do matter. I don't want you to think that words don't matter um, because you need to understand that um, you can't take back uh, what you say. 
And there's really two issues here. There's heart issues and there are uh, technique issues. Technique issues are what words do you choose to say. Heart issues are much more important. Am I saying the, the words in, in love? Am I saying them lovingly? Uh, Steve Mitchell's, uh, when uh, was going through uh, premarital counseling, so Steve uh, married my wife and I. Um, Steve's really, really old because my wife and I have been married for 35 years or something like that, so I think maybe more than that, I forget. 36 years, I think. Uh, but uh, when Steve was going through uh, premarital uh, counseling with me, he knew my story, he knew my wife's story. My wife came from an abusive home and um, that where the abuse came from the mom, and Steve told me, he says, do not ever say you are just like your mother. Uh, if you ever say those words, you will never, ever recover, like ever. Uh, it's just, it just, those words have to be completely not even in your, in, in your, in your, in your language. And so that's the understanding that, you know, we could go through all these, you know, passages in the Bible where it says, you know, the tongue is a, you know, the small part of your body, but it's like a rudder of a ship that controls the whole thing. You have to understand that words do matter. So when I say that, you know, words are kind of like, you know, down here, it's more about tone and body language. Let's, let's just stop and recognize that words matter when it comes to communications. And you can say things that are so damaging that you can't take back. Because once they come out, they're out. Uh, and, um, and so just be aware of that. Now, let's take a look at Colossians 3. Because here's where I really want to go with this. So we know that couples can get into this kind of like, I've got a perception filter, so you said one thing, but I heard something else, and I took it that way, and I fired back based on what I heard, and then it went through your filters, and it got even more uh, you know, enraged, and then it came back, and it got even more and more. So we understand that. But now let's take a look at, at, uh, at what we see in God's Word. So um, Colossians uh, chapter 3, starting in verse uh, 12, says this, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a, comp uh, a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thank, uh, thankfulness in your hearts with God or to God. And whenever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and the Father through him. Now let's focus on that because when it comes to communication specifically, um, there are some really key things in this passage that is going to help couples uh, when you come to kind of a rough spot with one another. And it's what, they're it's what Paul's talking about when he says clothing yourself. Um, think about that list that he kind of rattled off. He was talking about just like you get up in the morning and you put on clothes, think in terms of getting up in the morning and putting on items such as compassion and kindness and humility and meekness, which is gentleness. That's another word, other uh, um, variations to call it gentleness. Patience, forgiveness, love, unity, thankfulness. That can have a huge impact on our perception filters. Because if my perception filter is based solely on that I had a really bad day, but I choose to put on compassion, understanding, gentleness, and all stuff, then when I hear something coming from my spouse, and it hits me wrong, if I take a deep breath and go, hold on, is that really what she meant to say? 
Or should I, instead of responding in kind with anger or what I think was coming at me, a barb or a a jab, what if I responded instead in kindness, in gentleness, uh, and kind of see how it goes? Um, And so that's really, really important. Now, why do we want you to read through the Bible and be in the Word every day? Why is that important? Well, it's important for a lot of reasons, but let me just bring this one up to you. So many people, when they come to, uh, let's just say, the, the topic of marriage, uh, and they want to go to the Bible and say, well, how is the Bible going to you know, show me how I should be in my marriage? They always go straight to the marriage um, verses in the Bible, and those are great. But the Bible's not a how-to manual. The Bible's not a reference material. The Bible is not marriage, go to chapter 14, section three, look at the diagram, you know, figure 2.1 or whatever. That's not how the Bible works. The Bible's a story. The Bible begins and ends with a long story. And in that story, there are, uh, there are people that followed God holy. There are people that rejected God holy. There's everybody in turn. They're imperfect people. They, they, they struggled. They wrestled with God. And it's the story of how God loved his people despite all the imperfections of his people and then sent his son Jesus for the sins of those people. It's a very, very redemptive story. And if you just focus on, oh, in this passage it says that I'm supposed to love my wife, and these are a couple of points of how I'm supposed to love my wife, and you miss all the other parts of the Bible, then you miss out on a huge uh, amount of information of not just how I'm supposed to be married, but how I'm supposed to be as a person and how God loves me and how I should love God and how Jesus died for me and how I should worship the Lord. All those things are play into our perceptions and all play into how we respond in marriage. That's why we want you to be in the word, um, to really be part of that. Now, um, we're told to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And we can't do that without being in the word. So please, 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 another commercial. I know you're gonna be tired of it. Not gonna give up. Join us in in reading through the word. Now, when we recognize that the Bible is more about a story of what Christ has done for us, then that takes us right into communion. Uh, which we're going to do this morning. So if you're at home, uh, now's a great time to, to grab your elements. If you're here, go ahead and, and reach around. Because I love that, like we're using um, throughout this series, not just today, but throughout the entire series over the, the month of January, how uh, the analogy of dancing and how the, the intricacies, the timing, the coordination of dancing is so much like a marriage. Um, Christ also used a very, very specific symbolism uh, when he was with his disciples. And we, to this day, continue to participate in communion um, as a reminder, as a recentering of what Christ has done for us. Uh, and, sim- uh, and communion is that, that symbolism for us. So um, we recognize that marriage is gonna be difficult. Marriage is gonna be a struggle. And like we saw in the picture, if I just stay all focused this way between me and my spouse, we can get off track very easily. But I need to lift my eyes up and focus on the Lord, and that'll help tame down some of that friction that we saw on that illustration going back and forth. And 
Communion does that for us. It helps us take our eyes off of ourselves and lift them up and say, Christ, what have you, you know, I want to stop and I want to remember and reflect on what you have done for me. Going to the cross, shedding your blood, um, giving up of your body for my sins uh, and for the sins of everyone. And so that's why we do communion. That's why we kind of stop and center ourselves. So Christ left behind with his disciples, meeting with them in the upper room and, and giving them, uh, you know, this is what I want you to do. Because even though they didn't know what was going on at the time, uh, he knew this would be important for not only them, but for us as well. Uh, and he took the bread and he, he um, passed it around. Uh, and then he said, this is my body broken for you uh, and, and for your sins. So when we take the bread, we recognize that Christ went through a lot because of his love for us. And the symbolism is the bread that we take, his body. Let's take it together. And then he took the cup. And I can only imagine that, you know, to say somebody is, you know, willing to sacrifice their, their body for you um, is, is amazing. But then he took the cup and he says, this is my blood shed for you. Um, and and I, I get blood, being a paramedic, I, I won't, I'll spare you the details. Um, but the significance is so much more than just a broken body. Uh, because, you know, a broken body um, is, is awful, but the shedding of blood is so much more. And so it's almost like, you know, Jesus saying, look, I, my, I'm giving my body for you, but this is my blood shed for you. Uh, and, and if you go back through all of the Old Testament and the significance of the blood and the significance of the sacrifice and the significance of all the elements of blood, it's a fascinating study to study. Um, I know it sounds very, um, very macabre, but to study blood throughout the Bible, it's fascinating. Um, to see how that plays out. So then you come to the point of Jesus saying, I'm shedding my blood for you is really mind-blowing when you stop and realize um, all the, the history of the Old Testament. Um, and so super, super impactful. So when Christ says, I'm shedding my blood for you, it really is enough to say, I need to step back and really pause because I can't even fathom uh, my Lord and Savior sacrificing his blood for me. And he did that, and, and he sent the cup around to his disciples, and he says, when you do this, you do this, remember me. And for us today, we do it knowing that we don't serve a, a God that is distant from us. We serve a God that was very much involved in our life to the point of shedding of his own blood. Let's drink in remembrance. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that as we look to your word, um, we see so much in there. And some of it is very clear and plain of, you know, if you're married, these are some things you should focus on, and yet other is very allegorical uh, that can be confusing at time, and, and then there's other things where it may not be about a marriage relationship, but it's about other relationships that we can apply to uh, the most precious um, relationship in our lives and that of marriage. Lord, help us to uh, 
to be in your word this year. Um, we, we pray that uh, many of us would, would make that commitment, make that decision, because we know that it will change us. We know that it will make us uh, uh, more appreciative of, uh, the, of history, the story, how you have impacted uh, the people over generation, over generation, but more importantly, Lord, how you impact us and our lives and how you care for us so richly and so deeply. Lord, thank you for the shedding of your blood. And as we go through this series of understanding the different levels and different layers of how we can help be in step and in coordination with our spouses, we know communication can be a, 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 a big thing, but we know it's just one piece of the puzzle. But Lord, it's an important piece. Help us to be better at it. Help us to focus like in the Colossians that it says, by focusing on you and putting on the different attributes um, can help overcome some of those perceptions that exist uh, between us and our spouse. And we just pray these things in your name. Amen. So think about perception filters that may exist in your life. Again, they, they come from our background, they come from so many different things, and even just daily. Um, and then ask yourself, are you going to clothe yourselves with those things that we listed out in, in Colossians? And, and seek to have that help dissipate some of the perception filters and how things go kind of all crazy and wonky from time to time. But now let's also recognize that taking that, that a 35-minute message on communication does not make anybody an expert. That wasn't the point of today, okay? That's like me watching Fred Astaire dance, going and taking a 20-minute tap, tap dance class and thinking I can now dance like Fred Astaire. Um, and so often if, if we see um, people that are excellent in their trade or artistry or whatever, like the dancers that we saw in those, those video examples, that is people who have spent lots and lots and lots of time to get to where they're at. And those are groups of people that spent lots and lots and lots of time. I know that Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers didn't just boom, perfection, the first time they started dancing together. There's a lot of hours of practice that went into that that now we enjoy. Or Torval and Dean, imagine how many hours they spent on the ice before that performance at the Olympics. So it's not just something we can take a message and, and go, oh, I got it, perfect, let's move on. No, commit yourself to the work involved. And, and if learning how to dance and the hours that go into that is important, shouldn't we take the same principles and apply it to our marriage, which is thousand times more important. So that's my encouragement to you uh, today. Lord, thank you as we go. Help us to, uh, to dwell on these things and, and, and take them to heart. Most of all, Lord, help us with our communications. It's hard. Uh, help us as we work to communicate with others. Our spouses certainly is the most important uh, relationship, but even for uh, my single friends here and, and watching, Lord, just communications with the people around us, whether it's at work or at school um, or, or just our family, Lord, it, it's something that can go wrong so quickly. Help us to really focus on what filters are in place for me that I can keep my eyes focused on you to overcome the, the, the traps that those filters can present. Lord, we just pray for this week ahead uh, as we move into the new year, and thank you for uh, 2022. We pray that we would be uh, a church committed to you and a beacon for your uh, kingdom as we move into 2022. In your name we pray, amen. You are dismissed. Happy New Year to everybody.